Gopi Janavala Va Sri Bharadhari Gopi Janavala Va Sri Bharadhari Sauranandana Brajajana Ranjana Sauranandana Brajajana Ranjana Namuna Kiravanachari Namuna Kiravanachari Sadi 
Prabhu Para Jaya Prabhu Para Jaya Vishnu Pad Pramansa Pripada Kacharya Stota Sutasi Simad Bhakti Vidanta Sami Prabhupada Kijai. Iskan Samstapa Kacharya Shila Prabhupada Kijai. Jaya Vishnu Pad Pramansa Pripada Kacharya Stota Sutasi Simad Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Go Sami Prabhupada Kijai. Anantakoti Vaishnavrindaki Jai, Namacharya Shilaharidas Thakur Ki Jai. Prem Sekaho Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasati Gaur Bhakta Vrindaki Jai. Shri Radha Krishna Gopinath Sham Kundaradha Kundagiri Govardhan Ki Jai. Vrindavan Dham Ki Jai, Navadweep Dham Ki Jai. Jamuna Mai Ki Jai, Ganga Mai Ki Jai, Tulsi Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Sambeta Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Nitai Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Vo. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Goranga. Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Bo. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 17, The Victory of Hiranyaksha, Texts 6 through 14. So we'll read Text 6 through 13 first, and then we'll chant the 14th verse together. Text six. Udasata de Damboda. Yeah. Okay. So text. Text sixteen. Please repeat. Tao Adidaityao Sahasa Vajamana Atma Pauru Shao Vavridate Ashma Sarena Kayena Adri Pati Iva Tavadi Daityo Sahasa Vajaman Oh Tavadi Daityo Sahasa 
Vajamanatmapurushau Vavridateshmasarena Kayenadri Pativa Tavadi Daito Sasa Vajamanatma Purusho Vavridateshmasarena Kayenadri Pativa Tavadi Daito Sahasa Vajamanatma Purusho Vavridateshmasarena Kayenadri Pativa Rajamanatma Paurusho Vavridates Masarena Kayanadri Pativa Vaishnavis, have any books? Tau, those two, Adi Daityao, demons in the beginning of creation, Sahasa, quickly, Vyajamana. Being manifest, Atma, own, Purushao, prowess, Vavridhate, grew, Ashmasarena, steel like, Kayena. With bodily frames, Adripati, two great mountains, Eva, like. Translation These two demons who appeared in ancient times soon began to exhibit uncommon bodily features. They had steel-like frames which began to grow just like two great mountains. Please repeat. These two demons who appeared in ancient times soon began to exhibit uncommon bodily features. They had steel-like frames which began to grow just like two great mountains. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda There are two classes of men in the world. One is called the demon and the other is called the demigod. The demigods concern themselves 
with the spiritual upliftment of human society, whereas the demons are concerned with physical and material upliftment. The two demons born of Diti began to make their bodies as strong as iron frames, and they were so tall that they seemed to touch outer space. They were decorated with valuable ornaments, and they thought that this was success in life. Originally, it was planned that Jai and Vijay, the two doorkeepers of Vaikuntha, were to take birth in this material world, where, by the curse of the sages, they were to play the part of always being angry with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As demoniac persons, they became so angry that they were not concerned with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but simply with physical comforts and physical upliftment. Translation again. These two demons who appeared in ancient times soon began to exhibit uncommon bodily features. They had steel-like frames which began to grow just like two great mountains. Srila Prabhupada begins his discussion of the verse uh, with his paraphrase of the verse from Vedic literatures that explains that there are two classes of men. One are the demigods who are devotees of Vishnu, and the other are the demons who are just the opposite. In the present political atmosphere, such a statement sounds odd. Uh, in the present political climate, people want to believe that everyone is the same and we should make no discrimination of one category as opposed to another. But we should just believe that Everyone is the same. Uh, here, the Vedic literatures, as perfectly represented by Srila Prabhupada, say the opposite, that there are two categories, the demigods and the demons. And throughout the Vedic literature, we find various classifications. Of course, we also read in Bhagavad Gita, uh, Pandita Samadarshana, that a learned person sees everyone equal. Um, and there are many verses in Bhagavad Gita uh, that describe the vision of the self-realized soul who sees all living entities the same. Sama sarveshu bhuteshu. So how do we reconcile the apparent contradictory statements here? Some which describe different categories and some which indicate that all living beings are the same. 
Of course, the answer is that spiritually, all living entities are the same. But materially, different living entities are covered by different types of bodies and different types of mentalities. And therefore, the Vedic literatures classify them in different categories. And the classification is actually beneficial so that we know how to deal differently with different types of people. And it's good for the individual also to know what category he or she falls in so he or she knows what they are meant to do and what they are not meant to do. So the different classifications and the descriptions of each are actually for the benefit of the conditioned souls. And the liberated souls, they see everyone equally because they see the soul within the body. But even the liberated souls uh, or Uttama Vaishnavas, when they come to the material world to preach, they also um, accept the vision of of the preacher, of the uh, Madhyam Bhakta, and they make distinctions. Uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam describes that the uh, Mahabhagavata sees that everyone is related to Krishna. Everyone is engaged in the service of Krishna. And therefore, the Mahabhagavata uh, sees no need to preach because he sees that everyone is already Krishna conscious. Uh, it is the Madhyam Bhakta who sees uh, different categories. And he deals with each category differently. Uh, Prema Maitri Kripa Peksha Sakaroti Samadhyama. He gives his love to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He makes friends with devotees. He is merciful to the innocent, and he avoids the envious. Um, but here we find two categories, demigod and demon. Uh, but in the 11th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, we find that the preacher sees three categories of living entity. Uh, the devotee or demigod and the envious or demon are common to both classifications. But the, the innocent, uh, the innocent is in, a, is in a special category because he's still on the material platform like the demons, uh, but he's not envious of the Lord like the demons are. And he is open to the mercy that devotees have to give, which is the knowledge of, of Bhagavad Gita and the holy name of Krishna. Um, but, again, in the present atmosphere, people don't like to hear such words. And even when Srila Prabhupada was here, one of his disciples uh, objected to the use of the word demon. Uh, the, the disciple said, Srila Prabhupada, if, if we use the word demon, people will... Um, 
people will uh, be discouraged. They'll be repulsed. They won't be attracted. They'll be repulsed. And Prabhupada replied, but they are demons. And the disciple said, but Srila Prabhupada, we, we can't call them demons. They'll become upset. And Prabhupada repeated, but they are demons. And the disciple again protested, but Srila Prabhupada, we can't call them demons. They'll become disturbed. And Srila Prabhupada said, unless you can see that, that they are demons, you cannot make any spiritual advancement. So, Srila Prabhupada's words are very powerful, and one may wonder how or why Srila Prabhupada would make such a statement. But if we consider from the analytical point of view, yes, the, 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 the neophyte, the, uh, the kanista bhakta, he doesn't discriminate. He sort of thinks everyone is okay. He wants to be a devotee, but he basically thinks everyone is okay. Um, but it's actually the, the more advanced devotee who is actually able to discriminate and, and preach to the appropriate types of people and avoid the other types. So anyway, after Prabhupada said, you cannot make any spiritual advancement unless you see that they're demons, the disciples said, well, uh, can the demons become devotees? And Srila Prabhupada said, oh, yes. If they chant Hare Krishna, anyone can become devotee. So that is that was actually... Sh Srila Prabhupada's mood and conviction and mission to induce people to chant Hare Krishna so that they become devotees. Um, Srila Prabhupada est uh, established one of his main projects in India, in Juhu Bombay, and he called it Hare Krishna land. Uh, at the time, we were struck by the name. Srila Prabhupada had never named a project before. He'd named deities, but he'd never actually named a project or property. And at the time, the only other land I knew of was Disneyland. <laughs> so I thought that by giving the name Hare Krishna land, Srila Prabhupada was suggesting that we should have a big center of attraction like Disneyland, but instead of the center being Mickey Mouse or whoever the center is there, uh, I guess there are some who side with Donald Duck, but I suppose the majority are with Mickey Mouse, at least uh, in my age. Uh, but at Hare Krishna land, Krishna, Krishna consciousness, Hare Krishna would be the center. And as the events evolved, what Srila Prabhupada writes here in the purport became clearly manifest. There were devotees who were envious of Srila Prabhupada and the devotees because Hare Krishna land from the material point of view was prime property at Juhu Beach. And then there were devotees who were sympathetic to Srila Prabhupada. And as time passed and as the uh, battle between the demons and the devotees escalated, more and more people were drawn into the war. 
And Srila Prabhupada commented that one of the purposes or one of the functions of the Krishna consciousness movement is to polarize the devotees and the demons. Otherwise, you walk down the street, you can't really tell the difference. Everyone pretty much looks the same. But as soon as you start preaching Krishna consciousness, then they start to separate into two groups. And the, the, the same phenomenon took place in Bombay, but uh, on a large scale. Um, and we read in the scriptures how the Lord comes to kill the demons. Of course, in Kali Yuga, the situation is different, but in previous ages, the Lord would come and kill the demons. And Srila Prabhupada had to contend with so many enemies um, in Juhu. And just as we have heard that the Lord's glories are magnified by his triumph over powerful demons, we all felt that Srila Prabhupada's glories were meant to be magnified by his triumph over very powerful demons. Uh, the leader of the group was Mr. N well, Nair, yes, Mr. Nair. Uh, and he had many accomplices. Um, one was Mr. Matreth, the local municipal corporator. But again, as the, uh, as the war escalated, more and more demons joined Mr. Nair and his group, and more and more devotees joined Srila Prabhupada and his group. Um, but the fact is that uh, many of the demons actually were killed in the course of the battles. Um, and that is also uh, to the glory of Srila Prabhupada. Of course, in terms of mundane sentiment, such a statement might sound odd. But um, in the uh, fifth chapter of the Adi Lila of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the discussion of the glories of Nityananda Ram, uh, you know, one sees the, the effect of Vaishnava Aparad. And in the discussion of the glories of Haridas Thakur later in Chaitanya Charitamrita, one type of what testimony to Haridas Thakur's glory was how people could be um, transformed by his association into great devotees. And the other effect, or the, the other testimony to Haridas Thakur's greatness was the effects of the disastrous effects that took place when people offended him. So um, it is actually part of the glorification of the devotee and the Lord how the demons are punished. And of all of Krishna's qualities, his greatest is his affection for his devotees. And in order for him to protect his devotees, he has to punish the demons. So it's not that Krishna's main concern is to punish the demons. His main concern is actually to protect the devotees. But in order to protect them, he has to punish the demons. Um, and therefore, in a way, you know, how the demons 
who offend a devotee are punished is testimony to the glory of the devotee and the glory of the Lord. So Mr. Nair, um, well, we can't obviously go into the whole history. It would take many hours for many days. But uh, in brief, Mr. Nair um, offered his land at Juhu to Srila Prabhupada. He took a deposit from Srila Prabhupada, and then he didn't want to give Srila Prabhupada the land. And he didn't want to give the money back either. And Srila Prabhupada kept saying, well, you know, we want the land, we'll pay you the money. But if you don't want to give us the land, that at least return the money we've already given you. And Mr. Nair was very cunning. And in the past, he had done the same thing. He'd taken money from people for the land, and he kept the money, and he kept the land. So he was quite a formidable person. He... Um, had been the sheriff of Bombay. He owned a major daily newspaper in Bombay. So he was a big demon. And one day, I was, um, I was walking around uh, Metro. There's, there's a part of downtown Bombay called Metro, after Metro Cinema. And in Bombay, on the streets, on the sidewalks all over India, they have people sitting with newspapers and magazines and selling them. So I was walking with my briefcase, uh, probably on my way to my next appointment, and I saw on the front page of the newspaper, Mr. Nyer's newspaper, the Free Press Journal, a big picture of Mr. Nyer and a huge banner headline, A.B. Nair is dead. <laughs> so when I saw the headline, within my heart, I, I actually felt jubilant. I actually felt like dancing right there on the street. But then I thought, I'm a devotee. You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to develop saintly qualities, you know, uh, as a devotee, am I supposed to feel like this? So, at the time, Bali Mardan was visiting in Bombay, and he was maybe more used to dealing with Srila Prabhupada directly. Anyway, he phoned Srila Prabhupada in Australia, and uh, I believe Shutakirti Prabhu, anyway, or maybe Hari Suri, but I believe Shutakirti Prabhu was the secretary then, or the servant. And he took the phone call and relayed the news to Srila Prabhupada. And it was only much later that we heard from Srila Prabhupada's servant how Srila Prabhupada reacted when he got the news. And and Srila Prabhupada's servant said that Srila Prabhupada folded his hands in a mood of prayer and he said, thank you. And he said, you know, Mr. Nair had caused too much trouble for the devotees, to the devotees. And um, I think Prabhupada indicated that he had prayed something and um, and then he commented that Lord Nishingadev had killed him and even medically people couldn't understand how he suddenly had a heart attack and died um, but we didn't know what Prabhupada's response was all we knew was that Bali Mardan had phoned and given the news to the servant. So I was still in doubt about how we should respond, and I was, 
I knew how I was responding, but I wasn't sure I was responding the way I should. And then another uh, friend, devotee, Dr. Singhal, he wrote a letter to Srila Prabhupada informing him of the death of Mr. Nair. And then Srila Prabhupada wrote back to him in such a way that we got an answer. He said, uh, he wrote, I understand from your letter that the demon, Mr. Nair, is dead. This is a great occasion for rejoicing. And then he quoted that even Prahlad Maharaj says that even saintly people take pleasure when a snake or a scorpion is killed. So then we knew that the way we felt was all right. It was, it was actually Vaishnav. It was actually Vaishnav. Um, I was staying in uh, Kolaba at the time in, a, in, in an apartment in Acropolis building that belonged to a life member from the Juhu scheme. But uh, most of the other devotees were living in the hut at Juhu. And rumor has it that they were passing out sweets when they heard the news. So I guess they were also on the Vaishnav platform. Um, so that was Mr. Nair. Then there was another person that joined with Mr. Nair, another demon. I think his name was Mr. Rane. And he lived in an old frame house right across from Hare Krishna land, right where the site of the temple was, a small temple. And he had the, 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 the people of Juhu, a lot of the people of Juhu, in his palms, palms, in the palms of his hands. Because um, Juhu was really just a, uh, like a, a, a fishing village, a fisherman's village. And uh, just a little before Srila Prabhupada got Hare Krishna land, some big hotels were, were built there because of the beauty of Juhu Beach. But otherwise, it was just like a fishing village and this man had, a, had some money, had some intelligence, and, you know, he had a big house, looked like a haunted house. And he used to um, conduct seances, like in, in his yard. We would pass it on the way to Juhu Beach. He would have these little, like, stone chairs. And then there was a, an altar. We don't know what went on, but sometimes at night they would meet there and light candles and and once in a while he'd have like a special event and a line of cars would form in front of his house and in India then I mean you had to be pretty rich to be able to own a car so even you know affluent people were coming to him but he was basically playing on their ignorance and he didn't like us because we were spreading knowledge and he was thriving on people's ignorance. So he joined, you know, the clique. Srila Prabhupada called it a clique against us. So after Mr. Nair died, as we have heard the story, Mrs. Nair got some money, maybe life insurance money, or she got some money. And she used the money to bribe the police and the municipality to come and destroy the semi-permanent temple we had established for Shishi Radharasa Bihari. Um, but it, of course, we didn't know that at the time. But we do. But some days after Mr. Nair left his body. Trucks pulled up in front of Hare Krishna land. And uh, 
all these municipal workers, you know, jumped out of the trucks with pickaxes and sledgehammers, and they started to attack the temple. They started to demolish the temple. So, um, you know, I immediately ran forward because I was working, you know, because we had a temporary permit and we had to renew it. And with great difficulty and Krishna's mercy, we were able to renew the permit. And, um, you know, so I quickly went to my office, brought forth the permit, showed it to the officer, and they were not interested in the least. So then I started to, like, intervene, you know, and then, then the truckload of policemen sort of grabbed me and threw me in the police van. And gradually all the devotees, you know, they were rushing forward and one by one they were being taken by the police physically and thrown into the police van. And Matahili, or Maitali, lady, she was the deity's pujari, she stood in front of the doors to the deity's house, deity room, and she just wouldn't budge. And finally, they had to, like, grab her hair and pull her away by the hair, like three or four of them. But she was very heroic. So, um, so they took us to the police station. And, um, but there was one devotee who wasn't heroic in the same way. He was, a, he was a, a Gujarati devotee named Manaswi. So while we were rushing forward and being captured and put in the police van, he was crouching in the bushes and watching the whole affair. Then he had the idea to phone Balasab Thakre, who was the leader of like a strong Hindu Marathi political party in Bombay. And, um, you know, he was known to support Hindu causes. So he phoned Bal Thakre and told him what was happening. And Bal Thakre phoned the municipal commissioner and told him what was happening and told him to stop, you know, the illegal demolition. And the police commissioner objected because they'd all been paid off. And uh, Balthakri said, look, just remember who this city belongs to. So, okay, okay, Balasab, okay. So then the municipal commissioner phoned the ward officer in Andheri, which is, you know, in charge of the Juhu area. And the ward officer had to come personally running to the site to stop the demolition. But while the demolition was going on, they were able to, you know, tear down all the brickwork, all the masonry. But there were um, steel tubes that were supporting the roof. Um, and they, they, they couldn't, they tried to saw them, but they couldn't saw them. So some of them went back to the ward office and got blow torches. And they came back and they were trying to like cut the steel tubes with the blow torches. So Mr. Rane, this sort of black magical person, he was standing on the, on the other side of the street laughing. And there was one a lady devotee who joined named Gandiva. She was actually the first lady devotee who joined in Bombay. So her mother lived down the street, and she was a devotee, one of the few devotees, well, in, you know, the few open supporters we had. So she came, and Mr. Matre was on the other side with a few friends looking and, you know, enjoying the fun. And Mr. Rane was laughing. 
when they specifically when they brought out the blow torches. So Gandiva's mother cursed Mr. Rani that just as you are laughing when Krishna's temple is being burned, so one day you will burn. So one day, right at the time of Mangal Arti, and this was within four weeks, we heard shrieks coming from the house across the street. And then we saw an ambulance drive up. And then eventually we got the news that Mr. Rane had covered his body with kerosene and set fire to himself. And he, he died before the ambulance could even get there. <laughs> so, number two. Number two. Now we come to number three. So, Mr. Matre, he was really very political, you know, very clever. And so he had the idea to, that, that he, you know, he should take advantage of all the, you know, um, trouble we were in. Of course, this actually came later, but um, to sort of create a revolution against us from among the life members and um, anyway, I guess we don't have too much time. To make a long story short, he, he made an alliance with this Mr. Tembe, B.K. Tembe. He was a member of the Legislative Assembly, MLA, and he was in the same party as Mr. Matre, and they were both Maharashtrian. So he came up with the idea that Mr. Tembe should organize the life members to try to take control of the society from us. And so they, they had a big meeting, and, you know, Mr. Tembe spoke very passionately, as politicians do, to try to, like, say we were not qualified to run the temple and the temple should be taken out of our hands and run by the life members. So, one day, he was um, in front of the state house called Sachivalaya, where all the government offices are, and for no clear medical reason, he collapsed on the pavement and died. So, three. Three for three. But there was still Mr. Matre. And in 19... Well, in 1978, Tamal Krishna Goswami became the GBC for Bombay. And we were discussing, like, you know, what's with Mr. Matre? Why, you know, why isn't he getting any reaction? And then Tamal Krishna Goswami quoted the verse from Bhagavad Gita that one who has been, for one who has been honored, dishonor is worse than death. So I made note. And again, within, I don't know, within some number of months, Mr. Matre was totally dishonored because it turns out I mean, he was a real rogue. Well, they probably all were, but anyway, he got caught. And he, um, there was a municipal school right across from the temple, right next to Mr. Rane's property. And it was revealed that he was having an affair with another woman. And it was also revealed that to get appointed as a teacher in the school, one had to do sexual favors for Mr. Matre. So somehow Mr. Matre's wife found out. So she disowned him and threw him out of the house. 
And the local, he, you know, he was like a little tyrant in Juhu. And he was taking bribes from everyone, you know. For the simplest thing, you'd have to pay him a bribe. Otherwise, you couldn't get any work done. And, and to the contrary, even if you were totally innocent, he would harass you and, and, and create complaints against you and send you notices and this and that. So just to avoid being harassed by him, people would pay him. But when this came out, all of the people's hatred for him or anger towards him also came out. So one day, um, I was in the temple, not the temple room, but in one of the offices, and we heard sounds like there was a procession on Juhu Road in front of the temple. So we came out to look, and we got the news that it was a morcha. Morcha means like a protest march against Mr. Matre with banners and slogans. And a picture, I mean, at least in India, the, the way they really want, they really try to disgrace someone or insult someone is a picture of Mr. Matre with a garland of chapels, which are like Indian shoes. It's like, it's, it's like the greatest insult to put a garland of shoes around someone. So that was the procession. And then I thought of, again, the verse from Bhagavad Gita, for one who has been honored, dishonor is worse than death. So this is purifying. It's purifying not only to speak of the glories of devotees as such, but it's purifying to speak of the demons and how the demons are punished by the Lord because they harass devotees in particular. Um, and therefore, we find descriptions in the Bhagavatam of the Lord killing demons. And as, as Prahlad Maharaj said, even saintly persons take pleasure when a snake or a scorpion is killed. And he spoke those memorable words, immortal words, to Hiranyakasipu after I mean, to Lord Nishringadeva after he'd killed Hiranyakasipu. Because Hiranyakasipu was so furious, even after he, Lord Nishringadeva was so furious after he killed Hiranyakasipu that no one could pacify him. Even Lord Brahma, Narada, Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune and eternal consort of the Lord, no one could pacify the Lord's anger. And they asked Prahlad to go forward. And then Prahlad told, you know, um, spoke the verse. And Srila Prabhupada explains the purport that, yes, Hiranyakasipu was killed. So Lord Nishringadev had no cause to be angry at him. So why was he still angry? He was angry because he thought that people might find fault with him for having killed Hiranyakashipu. So Prahlad was saying to the Lord, don't be angry. No one will find fault with you for killing him. No one will blame you. Even saintly people take pleasure when a snake or a scorpion is killed. So we're all jubilant, so don't, don't feel that we're going to be upset with you or angry with you because you killed the demon. Um, and then when Lord Nishringadev understood that his, his deed was accepted even by the most saintly of all persons, Prahlad Maharaj, then his anger subsided. Now here, the demons are described as angry, 
But their anger is based on the frustration of lust. They're lusty, and then when their lust is frustrated, they become angry. And the Lord's anger and the devotee's anger comes when their love for the Lord and for the other devotees is, um, well, they feel hurt when, when demons vent their anger against the Lord and the devotees. So, um, anyway, I feel very purified, although I'm not sure which category I personally fall in, but I do feel very purified discussing how the Lord killed the demons that opposed uh, the Lord's dear most devotee and foremost preacher, Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Nitai gaur premanandi. Inspired me. Where do we get this wonderful?